get up. What's up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. We have a super exciting interview today. You guys know him well, manager of the New York Mets. Buck Showalter is joining us today. Buck, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and uh, joining us on the on the podcast. Well, thank you. Nobody's that busy. Everybody tries to act like they're all important and busy and can't make time for anything. Nobody's that busy. We all act like we're important and busy. This, I just closed the door. And now in a few days, we get some warm bodies in here. Uh, might be a little tougher, but this will be fun. So with the warm bodies in there, how does it feel to be back down in Port St. Lucie, back at spring training with the team? Well, it's almost like we never left. You know, the season, I laugh when people use the expression off-season. There's no such thing as an off-season. The baseball just flies. Regardless if you're active or not, there's just so many things to stay on top of. And um, But we're in a good spot in, in a lot of ways. I love what's going on with the minor league kids down here. I'm really had a chance to get to know a lot of people. It was, you know, it was rapid fire. You know, Billy kids with me all the time up or that, you know, he was here two weeks longer than I was. And we just, you know, we had the, the lockout last year. It was tough. And, you know, this year we got the challenge of the WBC, but we'll work through that. But, uh, you know, it's just, I think everybody's a lot more comfortable with each other and, and, um, uh, the relationships have, have been forged. So there's been a lot of stuff going on with the Mets during the winter and coming into spring training. There's it's a pretty exciting team. So out of all the spring trainings you've been a manager of, where does this one rank in terms of excitement for you? Well, I, I don't really handicap a lot. All of them, you know, you go to spring training. That's why I love the spring is because everybody's thinking best case scenario. That young player is going to pop. The veteran player is going to get back to form. An injured player is going to be healthy. Uh, you're always looking at best case scenario. Then the reality of the season starts and, you know, you're not very good. And, you know, this season, you know, everything might appear one way on paper, but it never, you are always a couple of injuries away from things changing. So, you know, I think I'm more interested in our depth. I'm more interested at this point in our what ifs, you know, you look at Tyler McGill and you look at some of the injuries we had and the people that stepped in, um, so, you know, we've really got to identify that quality depth. I know Billy Epler in the front office have been very adamant about uh, the what ifs is something I, I use all the time. That's what we're after. That's the long answer. I've had some coffee, but go ahead. <laughs> you mentioned the kids a few times. You mentioned the depth. What have you seen from some of the more notable prospects that maybe the fans are aware of? Francisco Alvarez, Brett Bailey, and Mark Vientos, even just in the short couple of days you guys have been in camp. Well, we haven't been in camp yet. We, we They're here. Believe me, they're here. Uh, you, but check, guys, keep in mind, you know what a prospect is, right? A prospect is a prospect. You know, until they impact a, a, the major league club, you know, I, I kind of chuckle all these lists that say this guy's the best prospect and this guy's the, this team has the best farm system. And they, those people weighed in on that. It's, it's a shot in the dark. Trust me. If you're producing one good major league player a year, you're doing real well. It's the biggest jump in professional sports from the minor leagues in baseball to the big leagues in baseball, the level of pitching, the level of hitters, the best of the best. That's why guys come out of high school and play in the NBA. I mean, LeBron James, guys come out of college football and are all pro the first year. Um, so baseball, you know, when you start projecting young players, but with that being said, we like our, our young guys. It's not a matter of if it's kind of when in our mind. So, you know, I'm more looking at the, guys that may not be household names right now that people aren't talking about. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that aren't making some of these 
so-called expert lists that are as good, if not better prospects. Uh, one of the keys for organizations identify your prospects and eliminate your suspects. And uh, sometimes there's, I call them fake prospects. So buyer beware. Of course, of course. This year, uh, during the season, there's going to be a lot of new rules impacting the game. Which rule do you think you're looking forward to the most? Well, none of them. Looking forward <laughs> to it, you know. Well, I, I guess I'm looking forward to the no shift. I think uh, it's going to – it should help some of our guys. I think a big adjustment is going to be these guys getting off on deck and getting – I think the first two weeks with his pitch clock is going to be a challenge for the hitters, not for the pitchers that much. And I think guys who chase velocity, uh, pitchers that are always chasing the throw harder are going to have a little more trouble when you're throwing more rapidly. Um, I personally would like to see them turn the clock off the last couple of innings, but they're not going to do that. And, and I'm more interested in the pace of our game and the tempo of our game. Uh, I don't think people come to a game because of how long or, or how short it is, but I know people at home on TV, it matters. And I don't think people come to a game because – Lindor's walk-up song is such and such, but you know they didn't ask me. But uh, it'll be you know we you know could you imagine watching a football game without replay or baseball without replay? Now you 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 know you kind of look at some of this stuff and you always confuse change with a lack of respect for tradition, and um, it's up to us to embrace those things. And one of the things we're going to do in the spring is get our guys ready for what's ahead of them. We spoke to Max last year, and he did mention specifically what you just said that he thinks that it's going to be sneakily somewhat of an advantage more for pitchers than hitters in that pitch clock. He wants to find a way to weaponize it. But while we're speaking of rules, you made waves last year just with your expertise of the MLB rule book, especially that play in Miami where Brandon Nimmo sat down in the baseline and then wound up everyone being safe and we had a rally come after that. So where's that expertise come from and where, where did you find the inspiration to like teach that rule specifically in spring last year? Well, it's kind of like being an umpire or, or a referee. You know, I refereed college basketball, started out in low eighth grade, middle school, worked my way up to, you know, some college conferences. And, you know, you had to learn the rules. And if you're going to manage a team, I don't know them all. I learn some nuance every year and I try to take advantage of them and I, I want our players to. But shouldn't the players understand the rules of the game that they're playing? And, um, I think there's always a lot of rules out there that, you know, you can, I don't want to say take advantage of, but knowledge is a, is a great equalizer. So, and I've always uh, had a curiosity about it. And, uh, and if you're in an instructional league and you're in winter ball and you're in all these different leagues, I was fortunate enough to be in, you see things that people have never seen. I mean, I saw a triple play and the ball never hit leather. You know, it can happen. We talk about, you know, the team looking forward into 2023. There's been some new guys that have been brought in on a staff as well, and someone that's new this year, the bullpen coach, Dom Chidi. Talk about your relationship with Dom and what it means to have him be a part of the staff. Well, first of all, you know, like uh, hitting coach with Jeremy uh, Barnes and, and the pitching coach, uh, Hefner, Jeremy, they had a lot of input on this. You know, we put four or five candidates in front of, you know, and I know Billy, uh, Jeremy, weight carried a lot with who we hired. And uh, I think we all came to the conclusion that we were very fortunate to have somebody with, you know, Dom's done everything. He's been an assistant GM. He's been a major league coach. He's been a farm director. He's been a scouting director. You're talking about a guy that has been around and he lives about two miles from the St. Lucie complex, which worked out great. But Dom, 
has really impacted a lot of lives along the way. And he's a great compliment to Jeremy. And you can tell right now down here, they're connected at the hip and the players are really going to uh, benefit from, from their uh, partnership. That's great to hear from our perspective. Cause we, we see what Jeremy Hefner can do and he's, He's basically a wizard with pitching. But another another change to the coaching staff this year is Eric Chavez being promoted to being your bench coach. So, how did that decision come to be, and what's Eric uh, what's Chavez's role going to look like this season? Well, I wouldn't call it a promotion. I would call it you know every move we make is kind of if we do something like that, it's side to side because you know if Joey doesn't good, do a good job at third or with the infielders or the first base coach and the outfielders with Wayne, I mean everybody's got a a, a load to carry and. Uh, we had a chance to lose Jeremy Barnes, which we thought was an asset for us with Eric. We had a, a very good hitting situation last year. In order to to keep that from happening, we, we thought we had a chance, well, we were going to lose him to another club as a head hitting coach. So we took uh, Jeremy and uh, we talked to Glenn. Glenn made this happen because we think with some of the catchers and the potential of Alvarez around the corner, uh, Glenn's job is going to be full time with these catchers, not that it's not. and. He'll continue in a lot of the same capacities, but uh, I think Eric's on a great path of where he's, his career may end up, and I think this is a good stepping stone for him uh, down the road and uh, another good thing for him. And just about all our guys could do each other's jobs. It's a well-rounded staff. This has probably got a chance to be the best coaching staff I've ever had. Wow, that's awesome to hear. You've been in a bunch of spring trainings throughout your career. What would you say the biggest change in spring training has been over, over time? Um, I don't know. Uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I've got a very definitive thing that I want to accomplish here, and I want us to feel completely ready. And the only thing that challenges us is the game itself. Um, the biggest change in spring training, probably the facilities are so much better. Uh, the travel's better. I mean, you used to go have to go from Tucson to Yuma to Phoenix to, I mean, some of these trips. And, um, I think, and you know, the minor leagues being here, you know, we're getting ready to probably build another a, a facility for our minor league housing and stuff that our ownership's going to allow at some point. And you know, it's really the last piece we have. I think our complex down here is one of, if not the best in Florida, and we don't have to share with anybody. So it, it's been a real asset for us. It's about eliminating excuses. You know, Steve Cohen and, and our front office have done a great job of eliminating a lot of excuses for us not to have success. You've been part of a lot of spring trainings now at this point in your career. Do you have a, a favorite memory or favorite story from any spring training you've ever been a part of to share? Uh, probably not to share. Uh, <laughs> no, spring. I tell you, spring's a great time because everybody's so upbeat. They're thinking about the best-case scenario. I love the spring. I love getting up. But I don't want to tell you what time I get up. and what I get here, it's still dark. When I get home, it's dark. All I do is sleep there, and it's – it's a labor of love. I love uh, having a hot cup of coffee when the sun's coming up and walking the fields uh, before anybody's here. Well, with our group, there's a lot of people here. But uh, I, those are little things I love about the spring is is getting a leg up on things and, and being ready. So when the players come through that door, the only thing they have to do is, is prepare themselves for the season. And, uh, you know, that last week is tough because you're starting to make some really tough cuts. But for the first three or four weeks, uh, it's a really upbeat time, and it's a great time for the fans because the players are so accessible and so open. And I challenge anybody, if you're looking to kill some time, come on down to St. Lucie. It's not that expensive, and the players are, are right here with you.
since we're on the topic of spring training and warm weather, are you a beach or a pool guy? I know it's a little off topic, but beach or pool, you're in Florida. Which one what are you, you thinking? Think? What do I think? You think the answer should be neither, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, baseball field, right? Dirt, dirt guy. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I, get, I, I get up in the dark and I get home in the dark. If there's a <laughs> beach around here and if there's – I think I had a pool in the backyard one time and I didn't know it was there the last few days of camp. <laughs> so I'm probably the wrong guy. If the bed is okay – it uh, doesn't matter about the curtains because it's dark. Um, if the shower works, I shower at the ballpark. I don't need a whole lot, guys. It, but it's 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 beautiful. You know, nowadays they feed you. You know, it's it's a special time, and uh, I love the spring. Then the reality opens up. We open up in Miami this year, so it's going to be a yeah. nice short trip. This team, especially we've put together this year, has a very a very strong mix of veterans and younger players. Some of the younger players we've touched on, but what is what is the role of the veteran player in spring training, in like in terms of bringing people along? Well, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not into hazing. I never have understood that uh, rookie stuff. It's just stupid. And uh, yeah. I, I just if the guy's wearing your uniform and your colors, make his path easier. Now, hey, listen, there's some rookies that might need a little tweaking here and there. They're a little ahead of themselves, and and we've got the guys to do that, but it, not in a mean way. We're just trying to make you know. I, I've stepped on my tail a lot. I just want you not to make the same mistakes I did. That's the type of veteran I want, and our guys are like that. They they're very very welcoming of anybody that can help us win, and and you know they've all been there. We've all been a rookie at some time in our life. And what's that thing you may not remember a lot, but you always remember how somebody made you feel. Mm-hmm. And that's very true. So I got to tell you guys, one of my pet peeves, I don't tolerate any of that rookie haze and stuff. I, life's too short. You know, there's a lot of players from different countries, from different walks of life, different age groups. How do you find a way to connect with all these guys and make the team feel like a family more so? Well, you know, we've got 10 countries represented now in our locker room. I uh, One thing we do, we put the flags up uh, alphabetically. We just finished them because uh, we had to add some. And uh, so when they come in, we know that we're thinking about them. I used to have a big uh, country map, a uh, world map, but I uh, hadn't gotten there yet. But just something that, I, you know, whether it's an interpreter or whether it's uh, if you're doing something, make sure that it's in Spanish also. You know, I, I've been to Dominican. I've been to Puerto Rico. I've been to Venezuela. I've been to Mexico. You know, I, I've been to Japan and Korea. I know the challenge is going to these countries and not speaking the language, understand the culture, and they're all different. And we're not on this earth alone, thank God. And, and we don't have all the answers here in America. There's some countries that do things as well, if not better than us. I mean, look at the cars in Japan. <laughs> you know, they're pretty good. But I uh, I don't know. I, 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 I think we try to make their paths easier and let them know that we've thought through it a little bit about um, the communication and also the respect for, for where they came from. This will be the last question. One of the last questions, just Buck, thank you again for taking the time, but this off season, you were honored. Well, understand, for hey, understand yeah. nobody's that, nobody's that busy. I love how people act like they're so, <laughs> Oh, this is killing me. I'm so busy and taking the time when somebody gives you that line, don't buy it. Okay. Nobody's that busy. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but you I mean, it's the fact that, you know, with the fact that we're here, we're talking to you. It's a great thing. Great, great to share this, in, uh, this little conversation with the fans. But you were on the season's manager of the year, fourth time in your career. It puts you in rarefied air. Steve Cohen delivered you that award at the at the baseball ceremony. I think that was about last month now. How, just, how does it feel to have the recognition for, for what you've done? 
Well, I should have given the award to Steve and handed it over to him because, you know, what he and, and you know, he allowed us to do, you know, that's such an organizational award. It is. It, it, it starts out being to the team that surprised the most because they go, well, something had to be different because we didn't predict them to win 101 games or whatever it was. So it had to be the manager, which is crazy. You know, the players allow you those. That's that's a player award. I mean, I know Terry Francona and I were talking about it that night. And so it's almost a little, uh, not embarrassing, but it's a little bit, it makes you feel uh, very humble about it because it's a reflection on the fans, the team, the organization. So, you know, I'm planning on, uh, you know, kind of displaying that uh, where the team and everybody can see it because, it should have their name on it. it should say New York Mets, not uh, my name. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fantastic answer. Buck, thank you so much again. I, I know you said everybody has time, but thank you for your time. We really do appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again soon and maybe see you in Port St. Lucie in a couple of weeks. How's, how's the weather there? In New Great York? Today. Yeah. About 60 baseball weather today. Yeah. Okay. You're in charge of the weather when we get home. Okay. Got you. Okay. We can handle us. that. We'll alternate our days. All right. We have bad weather opening day. I'm coming to see you guys. All right. <laughs> Please, like I welcome it. <laughs>